thank the Lord for all of you, and I do mean all of you, amen? amen? And we thank God for the day. We thank him for his Sabbath day. We thank him for the reality that is our life now, that we believe in the Son of the living God. And we ask that you all would help us uh, join us in welcoming those who are joining us via the conference line, as well as those on the broadcast this morning. We want to say happy Sabbath to you all. And at this time, we would come together for a word of prayer so we can ask God's spirit to be with us, to not only give us the words to speak, but also give us an ear to hear and a heart to understand. So let's join at this time for a word of prayer. Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, again, in the precious name of Jesus, we come before your throne of grace and mercy this morning, thanking you so much, Lord, for the opportunity. Father, we thank you for your holy day, Lord, and we ask that as we begin to open up your word, we ask that your spirit would lead, guide, and direct us in your truth. Father, so we may be better missionaries, better ministers, better disciples of yours, Lord, because we'll have better understanding through your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would forgive us for the sins we've committed against you, Lord, and have these sins no longer separate us from you and what you're trying to do for us and through us. We pray for those all over the world who are bowed down before you now, Lord, asking for help and relief from the oppression of Satan. We ask that you would bless them with your presence, Lord, and bless your ministers, Father. Give them the power to speak with authority so your children may hear and obey. And as always, Father, we pray for those under persecution for your name's sake today. We ask that you would bless and keep them. Lord, give them strength and encourage them, Father, in this hour of need. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Happy Sabbath, nation. Y'all didn't forget, did you? You didn't, under, you didn't quite forget what God is doing. Yes, I know we were filled to the rafters last week. You couldn't get a seat last week. You felt more like a nation then. But I want you to know you are still a nation now. Amen. And I want you to understand that God has people all over the world he's bringing together, and he's going to use you to bring more people. So we thank God for that. Amen? Amen. We would thank God for he, he, we have a brother in Bermuda that we were praying for this week, and uh, he called and said it was rough, but they made it through. So we thank God for the delivering hand of, uh, of our God. He, uh, he's stronger than any storm, whether it be literal or figuratively. That's not right. Literal or figurative, whatever the word is. We, th we thank God that his strength is for us. Amen? Amen? Now, we want to understand something. You all, last week, stood and proclaimed something. And you've got to be sure that you're not like the children of Israel of old. They would say, all that God says, we will do. Then the next week, they didn't. Well, you all stood in unison and said, we will be one nation. We'll be God's nation. And, and so this is what God wrote down in his book, you know, the book of remembrance, the book that records everything that goes on. God wrote that down, and he was happy to write it down. He was, he was joy, filled with joy because you all claimed his name and said, this is what we're going to do by God's grace and by his mercy. Now, there's an order to his nation. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be going over that. If you're going to be God's nation, just like Israel had to uh, be God's nation, God, when, when Israel came out of Egypt, man, God had to put some things in order, didn't he? Why? Because we had this, as his brother brought out last week, we had the scent of Egypt on us. 
We thought like Egyptians. We acted like Egyptians. We had the same principles as the Egyptians, or we should say the same policies as the Egyptians. We were Egyptian through and through. So God had to say, look, I need to bring you out, and we're going to dust you off, polish you. Here's some statues. Here's some, some, some ordinances that y'all need to follow because you all have no idea who I am. But you claim my name, so I'm going to introduce you uh, to me. So let's go, we were, to the book of Deuteronomy because that's what he's going to do with us. He said that I have a way of operation in my nation. And he said, I'm going to do the same thing for you all because I have the same aspirations for you. He said, I want to make you a people that the whole world will wonder and say, who is this great people? Who, who is this people who have a God such as their God? Now, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, if we would. And we're going to start at verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we're going to begin at verse 5. And the Lord was speaking to the children. And he said, Behold, I have taught you, what? Statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me. This is Moses talking, God talking through Moses to his people. He said that ye should do so in the land whether ye go to possess it. And it was a one, that's a wonderful statement. He said, I have gotten the word from God. I've given it to you and that you can use these things as guidelines in the land that I am going to give you. All that was promised, wasn't it? God promised. He said, look, I told you I was going to do this. Use this so you can be successful when you possess this land. Now, verse 6, keep therefore and do them. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Make sure you know that, that it is his wisdom that makes you wise in front of every pe other people. It's not yours. He said, I'm going to give you instructions, and if you follow instructions, the whole world will look and say, wow, who is this people? And don't forget, it's my instruction. We didn't come up with anything, did we? Israel didn't come up with this, and we're not coming up with, this, with anything this morning. We're just reading what he said for us to do if we're going to be this one nation. Verse 7 says, But what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? See, they don't have a God like that. The world doesn't have a God like that. Their God uses and abuses them all the time. But your God will not. He said, they're going to look at you and say, man, how come everything is going like it's supposed to go with y'all? He said, because I have given my people instruction. And with that instruction is the power to perform those things. And that is your wisdom in the sight of people. Remember that. Now, let's keep reading. Verse 8 says, and what nation is there so great that have statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I have set before you this day. That's what's so wonderful about God. When he calls you out to be a nation, he gives you a manual. He said, here, this is how this is going to work. Israel got the manual. And as long as Israel followed the manual, they were a great people, weren't they? As long as we follow the manual, we'll be a great people too. And not because we're great, it's because the God of the manual is great. Amen? So we could, look, now we have to understand there's some things as a nation that you have to get right at the beginning. They're called foundations. 
You got to lay the foundation right or the whole thing is wrong. Amen? And where do you think we ought to go for the foundation? To the manual, right? Now, what did Psalm uh, 11 say? Let's go to Psalm 11 just for a principle. Psalm 11, and we're just going to read one verse, uh, verse 3 of Psalm chapter 11. Psalm chapter 11, verse 3. And it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So at this beginning period of time, we need to make sure that the foundation is laid according to the manual. Amen? We must make sure of that. And we must believe in the manual. We must believe in the ordinance and instruction of God. We must believe and follow what God has given us and not take it and try to put something on it. Try to take something from it. We have to believe this. Now let's go to Matthew because the foundation is the key. And we're at the foundation stage now. That, uh, we're, uh, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Christ was speaking a parable. He, he was saying, look, I need you to understand who your foundation is and what your foundation is and how to stand on that foundation. We're in Matthew, chapter 7. Sure is quiet in here today. I can even hear the lights, <laughs> but that's all right. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to begin at verse 24. Matthew 7, verse 24. The foundation must be right. It cannot be destroyed because not, if the foundation is off, it doesn't matter how much righteousness you put on top of it, it's going to be crooked. And Christ said here in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Now, who is this speaking? So this is the words of God. He said, and doeth them, amen, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a what? Right. Now, what do you build your house on? What's it called? A concrete, a foundation, right? You either got a slab or you got pillars, but you got some concrete going on. You got some rock, right? You're not going to build your house on wood. Why? Because it'll rot and your foundation will be destroyed. But Christ said, those people who listen to me, and do the things I said, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compare you to a house which was built upon a rock. And verse 25 says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was what? Founded upon a rock. That foundation was solid, right? And so he said, and he, remember, he said, this rock is compared to the people that hear and do my word. So his statutes and his ordinances are what we need to be building this nation upon. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Now, who are these people? When God instructs us and we say, I don't like that, I'm uncomfortable with that, that doesn't serve me right. That's these type people, right? These are not denominations. These are not foundation people. These are not his nation's people. These are people who tend to go to serve another nation. Amen? Did you know you it's hard to have dual citizenship? It's impossible to have dual citizenship with this nation. You either belong to God or you don't. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's keep going. It says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth him not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, 
and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the what? Fall of it. Now look at this. Both heard the word. Amen? One followed it. He, that house, stood. Both experienced wind, rain, flood, everything. Right? So guess what's going to come to this nation? Rain, wind, floods. But if we put our faith in the foundation of Christ, if it's built on him, built on that rock, we're going to be all right. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. We're building this nation on the rock. Amen? So if you don't like rock stuff, you might want to find some other nation because we're not going another way. We're not going just because it's uncomfortable. I'm sorry, this nation is founded upon the rock. Amen? Amen. Go to Matthew. Let's, let's go to Matthew. I believe it's chapter 16. Now look at this. We're going to find this rock. All right? Just to, just to make sure we don't think Peter is a rock. All right? Let's go to rocks. I mean, let's go to rock. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and let's begin, if we would, at verse 16. Make sure we're in the right place. Matthew 16, it says, and 16 says, and Simon Peter, is that right? Mm -hmm. And Simon Peter answered and said, because Jesus had asked them a question. He said, who do they say I am? And Jesus always asked ask questions that he was looking for an answer, a specific answer. He said, who do they say that I am? They said, oh, they say you're this, you're this, you're this. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And what did Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said it, and he was convicted of it, right? And he said, in verse 17, he said, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, Simon, Barjona, Peter, was blessed by the Father to know who the Son was. That was a great blessing. And he was convinced of that. Amen? He said, hey, only the Spirit of the Father told him that. And that is what, well, let's keep reading. Verse 18, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter. That was a good thing to tell him. <laughs> thou art Peter. He said, you said I, who I was. I'm going to tell you who you are. He said, who are you? You're the son of the living God. Well, you're Peter. <laughs> now, then he went on to say, and upon this rock, upon the belief that Peter had, the revelation that Peter had, that he was the son of the living God, on that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, what? shall not prevail against it. The floods and the rains and all the things we just read about will not prevail against it because this church is built on Jesus being the son of the living God. And that's what Peter understood. That was the rock that was built. That's the foundation. Now, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Amen? Go to 1 Corinthians. We're going to clean this rock up. Let's, let's look at this. Let's look at this rock. He said, this is the rock that this church and this nation is going to be what? Founded on. It's going to be settled on. And it doesn't matter if you don't like it. And we're at a point now in doing what we do. If you don't like it, and it's the word of God, take it up with him. 
We're not going to have a lot of long discussions about doctrine anymore. We're not going to, and listen, and, and people, well, you ought to be doing this. And we're not really going to hear all that anymore. We're building a nation upon this rock. Amen? But there's many other nations if you'd like to join them. Is that true? Amen. Pray. You say, hey, I hope you find your nation. I hope you got your flag hanging outside the door. I hope it serves you well, but I know on this rock is what we're building this on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. God is God, isn't he? Are we all right? Yes. He said, moreover, brethren. I'm sorry, I guess I should have told you the verse. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. It says, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual what? Rock. That, that what? Followed them. And that rock was who? Right. So any question about this rock, who the rock is, and what the church is going to be founded on, and what the nation is founded on, it's founded on Christ. Amen? Amen? Period. Now, what Christ tells us to do, we should say what? We, yeah, we will do this. Because it's supposed to be what? Founded upon his word. Founded on his doctrine. Founded on his ordinance. And founded by his Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, the foundation is Christ and his way. Christ has things, he, he says, my nation walks this way. My nation talks this way. My, my nation uh, follows me in everything that I do because they're built upon me. Amen? Now, where should we begin? How do we begin to lay this foundation? Let's start where Jesus started. Go to the book of Genesis. Where is the foundation going to be laid first? Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. See, you can't have a nation without a church. You can't have a church without a home. You can't have a home without the man. That's where Christ started, didn't he? Genesis 2. Let's read verse 7. Genesis 2 verse 7. The Lord started here. When it, as it related to mankind. He said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a what? So mankind began with man. Amen? Amen? With the man, the male. Amen? Amen? He formed him from the dust of the ground. He breathed into his life, I mean, breathed into his, himself the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So if the if the nation is going to have a solid foundation, the men have to be us standing on that foundation. Amen. We, we all right with that? Because we're going, to, we're going to start there, and we're going to move over these next couple of weeks to try to find out how a church can stand on this foundation. A church can't stand on a foundation that the men don't stand on. I know that's, that's, that's anti-Christianity, but this is the truth. God started with the man. They go to Exodus. When we have men's class, we go into detail about several things on how to be a righteous, godly man and the things that we need to do. 
We can't go over all of them today. We're just going to hit two of them today for about concerning men. And if men would take these two things and apply them in their lives and apply them in their homes, the church has a chance to stand on that rock, that foundation. Now, now we're going to go to Exodus chapter 32. This principle, men who stand on the word of God, you're going to have to own it. When I say own it, it's this. You did it, own it. Stop blaming something else. Adam blamed something else, did he not? Now, we're going to read about Aaron. Aaron was the high priest chosen by God. He didn't own it, and it caused a lot of death. But let's look. Men, you're going to have to own it. And let's look at what uh, uh, old uh, Aaron did. We're in Exodus 32. And you can tell, sisters, you can tell if a man is owning it or not. Okay? Because we're going to see what Aaron said. And I want you to think and say, yeah, he, should, he, he talks like that. Amen? And if we talk like that as men, we'll have no chance to stand on the foundation. And we'll have no chance of being a nation. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 32. Starting at verse 21, it says, And Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee, that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Moses said, They must have tied you up, beat you, or threatened your family or something. What did they do to make you do this? Now let's see how Aaron responded. Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people. That they are what? Set on mischief. Already deflecting. Aaron's supposed to be the one who kept it in line. Remember that in your homes. Stop blaming people living in your house, men. Now, he said, but you know they, they heart is set to do mischief. For they said unto me, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, you know, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we would not what has happened as we come of him. See, Aaron should never have had a question about where Moses was. Moses went to see God. He said, I'll be back. I'm going to see the Lord. Lord, call me up here. Handle it. And what did Aaron do? He mishandled it. He should have never listened to the voice of the people and, and, and questioned what God had said. Moses was God's representative. So when Moses spake, who was speaking? So Aaron have the assurity that God is speaking. But let's see what Moses, I mean what Aaron did. Verse 24. And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them what? Bring it off. So they gave it me. Now look at, look, look at, look at this type of individual. They gave it me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Do you see? That's not owning it. Aaron should have said, I disobeyed. I knew better. I made this thing. Lord, forgive me. That's what foundation men talk like. Roof guys talk like, it just came out. You know the people, it's their fault, it's their problem. And I was just trying to help the people. Own it. Can you look back in your life and see things you should have owned you tried to blame somebody else for? 
You try to blame circumstances. Well, my mother didn't bring me up right. My daddy didn't teach me. Well, you know, you get to a point in your life where you got to let all that go. Because all of us had problems. All of us had parental issues. And we are more than you know, happy to share them with us, to, 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 tell, to tell you all why we are like we are. My father beat me. You know, my mother didn't look after me. Well, get over it, man. It's time to move on. If you're going to be foundation, if you're not going to stand on the rock, then go and continue to do that. Go ahead and be Ahab. Y'all want to be Ahab, don't you? Let's go to First King. Y'all know who Ahab is, don't you? This is the second principle. The first principle is own it. Let's go to, to, to First Kings 21. Ahab, king of Israel. See, we had Aaron, high priest in Israel, who, who didn't own it. And now we got Ahab. The second thing we're going to talk about is don't give up your spot. It's not your spot to give up. And that's something men need to understand. God placed you in this position. You can't give it to nobody else. Even though you want to lay, you want to be a mama's boy, you, you can't give it to anybody else. See, mama's boys aren't foundation. Didn't say don't love your mama. Amen? Amen? You should love your mother. She did a lot for you. But don't be a mama's boy. Be a, a child of the living God. Ahab. 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 Let's go to 1 Kings 21. We're familiar with Ahab. And who was his wife? Who was Ahab's wife? Oh. And that's another thing, brothers. We're going to talk about this later on in, our, in the conference and other things. Don't marry Jezebel. Don't even date Jezebel. Don't even know where she lives. If she calls you, block it. <laughs> Leave Jezebel alone. Because most men who aren't foundational men get swept up by Jezebel, Ahab being one of them. 1 Kings 21. Verse 3. Nabal said unto Ahab, the Lord forbid it me. See, what was happening is Ahab said, man, this is a nice piece of land next to my house. I want to grow some things here, but I don't own the land. Okay? Now, he's the king of Israel, so he knows how the rules and regulations of the ordinance and statute about land ownership because God had those too. But Nabal owned the property. And Nabal said, and Nabal said unto Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers under thee. Why? Because it was against the ordinance. God has a way. It, it was given to the family. You can't give away family. You can't give away your inheritance stuff. I don't care if he is the king. And he said, I, God forbid I do this. And verse 4 says, And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Nabal, the Jezreelite, uh, had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he, hath, I mean, he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread, like a two-year-old. But he couldn't fight the statue and the ordinance because the king can't give away that. He can't go against it because that's just robbery and thievery, and that's not what God would have him to do, even though he acted like a big baby because he didn't get what he wanted. He should have been praising Nabal. You're right, Nabal. It's my fault. The, the Lord said, I can't do that. Thank you for reminding me about God's statutes. That's what foundation men do. Non-foundation men get into bed, and they turn their face to the wall, and they won't eat. You ever seen any of them? 
You ever been any of them? We got a hey, not anymore. We foundation men now. And you want to know why your, your wives and your, your significant others don't respect you because you get into bed and turn your face to the wall. We are going to be foundation people. Amen. Now, look what happened, though. He's, remember, God said, don't give up your spot. Oh, let's see what happened. What did he say? Verse, verse 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? So what's wrong, baby? And he said unto, me, uh, unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me the vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee an another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. Now, what do you think happened? You got a weak back man who is pouting because he didn't get something. He married a, what they call now a strong independent. You know some of them strong independents, don't you? Why? Because weak back men tend to mar marry those type of people because they want somebody to take care of them. They want to flip the script. Now, let's see what Jezebel did. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, <laughs> Does thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Jezebel always has a misconception about government. She always doesn't understand what the real deal is. She just thinks, you know, how, how people just look at a position and think that, oh, well, you can do that. It's a self-serving position. When you are a foundation man, you never serve yourself because you're more concerned about the nation. You're more concerned about your family. You're more concerned about the church than you are about yourself. Jezebel never is concerned about anything but herself. Amen? Amen. And Jezebel, his wife, said, Dost thou not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise, eat bread, and, and, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the what? Jezebel. God said no. Jezebel said, I'll get it. Now, who was she going up against? The Lord himself. That's what Jezebel does. Ahab gave up his spot, Adam. He always gives up his spot. We can't do that. We can't do it because we're building, the, the, uh, we're building on a rock. Jesus never gave up his spot, did he? didn't matter what the church wanted to do. He said, here is my law. You can't change it. The church tries to change it. It's been trying to do it for a long time now. But it doesn't change. We as men must do this. We must own it. We must not give up the spot. We must be the type of men that our wives and our people can respect, that don't mind submitting to, because they know you got their back, and you're always thinking about their betterment. It doesn't matter if they understand what that betterment is. They need to have the confidence in you to say, I know they got my back. I don't like what he said. I want to buy this, and that's just what I want to do. And he said no. Thinks you're pouting. But what do you do? You're going to be Ahab or you're going to be Moses? Which one are you going to be? And that's important. And you got to have Jesus to be Moses because it gets cold. It gets lonely in the same house. But guess what happened? If you have been the man of God you're supposed to be, guess who the woman will be? The woman of God pleased. 
and you'll see what happens. You'll see it. You'll see the maturity of both of you grow in God, and it'll be a wonderful experience as long as you don't become Ahab. Ahab wanted, you know, you ever, I've heard ladies <laughs> say this for a long time, that he, he just wants a mother. I've heard them tell me that about their husbands. Well, he just wants, you know, he just, he wants me to be his mama. How did she come up with that concept? You think she just made it up? You started acting like that, that was the case. You want to go from mama's house to wife house. Mama never had a house. Wife doesn't have a house. Where are the men involved? Now, wives have, 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 have ways of taking care of their husband, amen? And that's a good thing. But the wife is not your mother. Please remember that. So stop being that kind of person. She doesn't owe you all of, well, mom, mama, Jezebel said, well, mama will make it better. You ever seen that in action? Well, you just sit here. You're a grown man. But mama, I, I pick up those Cheetos for you, baby. You just sit on the couch and play Xbox. <laughs> and the man, the, the male is sitting there with all his Ahab on. He's just one big Ahab. Not here. Amen? And if you're uncomfortable with those, that position, you might want to find another nation. Because this is God's method. Amen? Amen. Now, now, if the man can get in order, then the house has a chance to be in order. Go to 1 Corinthians. The house must be in order if we're going to have a nation built upon the rock. We okay? Men, no Ahab. We got to stand for the truth. We have to stand on that rock, and that rock will give you the power to do that. Amen? Amen. If you don't know how to be a man, guess what? That's what the nation is all about. The nation helps each other. And one thing about it, in the old days, even before, before I was around, no, no, I'm not old, <laughs> but the communities used to look after communities. Houses used to look, used to know your neighbor. And you knew your neighbor lost his job. And what was the first thing you did? You cooked a big old pot of beans and took it over. You made sure that the children had what they needed. These weren't your children. These were your neighbor's children. If you were like, living on an island and you had a hurricane, oh, the first thing you do is go check and see if somebody else is okay. And you all would work together to rebuild everybody. And you, you didn't have to be the first rebuilding project. Because a nation takes care of itself. That's the spirit the men of this nation must have, a community nature. Look after the nation more than you look after yourself. And your nation starts at your house. Amen? Look after those who live in your house more than you look after yourself. Make sure you train your house to look after the church, to make sure the church doesn't fall in disarray. Make sure the churches look after one another so the nation won't fall. Amen? But if we are all self-serving Ahabs, we don't have a chance. The house must be in order. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. <coughs> the brother was speaking. He said in verse 1 in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am what? Of Christ. See, he was saying, I'm following Christ. I'm an example. Go ahead and follow me because I'm just doing what he told me to do. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I what? Delivered them to you. Oh, it was okay for them to follow a man of God. 
Because what did the man of God do? Followed Christ. He, his job was to deliver the ordinances to the people. Amen? And a man of God will tell you that's all he's doing. He said, man, God told me to tell you this. Here you go. So he has to be a what? An example. You have to be an example in your house. We have to be example to the nation. You want that pressure? But this is what we got to be, all of us. Amen? This particular church, what's the name of your church? It won't be the one that brings the nation down because you didn't know the ordinances of God. It won't be the one that, that, that comes to, the, to the, the nation meetings all wrong, just bringing Doritos and, you know, soda pot. We, we, we're not going to be that nation. We're going to stand on the rock. We're not coming to the nation meeting with our houses upside down. We're not coming to the nation meeting and our kids just everywhere, just, just hollering and screaming. We're not coming that way. Why? Because we're standing upon his rock. Quiet as it's kept, you are supposed to be the example. Keep reading. I would have you know, verse 3, that the head of every man is who? Please, don't just skip over that. Men tend to skip over that, Nelson. They just, oh, well, you know, let's hurry and get to the other part. The head of every man is Christ. You're not only he's your head, but he's your rock that you stand on. Amen? And what else? And the head of the woman is who? That's Christ. You, human, is standing in a spot that Christ put you in. You are the head of the house. And the head of Christ is who? God the Father. Amen? You see the order? That's foundational stuff, people. I'm sorry. You don't like it. Take it up with God. Amen? Men, it's imperative that your head is Christ. Please, make it easy on the sisters. Make it easy to, 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 so she can be in the position Christ put her in. Make it easy her, for her to do that. If you're trying to be Ahab, it's hard for her to be where Christ put her. Is it not? Okay. See, you said you want to be a part of this nation. This is the nation. These are the ordinances that God put in place to keep. That's why that when, when we walk in a place and they're going to say, man, who is your God? Why? Because we follow this. And we gladly follow it. We don't reluctantly do this. We gladly do it. And we have the power of God in us to perform the doing of it. If you can't handle this, maybe another nation is for you. Let's go down to verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. We understand that statement? We read this morning that, that the man was made from the dust of the ground. How was the woman made? From the man. Hey, right? Okay. So she is from the man. Who did that? Were well, you all right with what God did? Okay. Now, neither was the man created 
for the woman. But what? The woman for the man. Do we see this relationship? Sisters, do we see this? Is it okay that God did it this way? You were created to be what? A help me to who? Your husband. Your, you know, not just any dude. Please remember that. I'm going to help everybody. You're not a bus station. Don't, don't do that. Now, that's the order of the nation. And I plead with the brothers, make it easy. Make it easy. Don't you think they want to? Don't you think they want to fulfill God's role, their role in God's kingdom? You have good-hearted, willing sisters who would love to do that. But you are making it so hard for them, messing around, being Ahab. See, y'all thought I was going to talk about the sisters. It's never about them. It's always about you. Adam, where, are you, where art thou? Are you standing on a rock? Or you're laying in the bed, not eating? Let's keep going. Ephesians 5. Come on. Husbands, you're going to be limping out of here today because this is what we got to know as a foundation for this nation. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go to verse 23. What was that? I don't even want to know. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. Here we go again. Christ reiterates this. He says, for the husband is the what? Head of the wife. Do we understand that? Yes. We just read about who's who. Father, Christ, husband, wife. Where are the children? Above Jesus. Why do we put them there? They just run over everything. Children run the show. That's why in, in men's class we talk about how we deal with children. And in women's class, those who were participating found out how to deal with children, how to be the wife or uh, the woman that God would have you to be. Why? Because these are foundational principles that we have to live by. Why do you think we teach these things? Because we want everybody mad at us? Do you know how popular it is to tell men that they're Ahab and show them in the scripture where they are? No one likes you. Do you think it's popular for a sister to have to sit and try to teach people about Proverbs 31 and they don't want to hear it? But it doesn't matter because this is the rock we stand on and this is the instruction our Father has given us to give the ordinances of God. But that's all right. We're all going to come together one way or the other. Let's go to Ephesians 5. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Even means what? Also, this is how Christ did it. This is how you do it. Amen? See, you can't be head of the house any kind of way. You have to be the head of the house as Christ was the head of the house. Amen? Now let's go to verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? The thing that I want to be subject to. You know this really works out? when the men do what they're supposed to do? Brothers, when you do what you're supposed to do, which is to have Christ as your head, this works out. Do you know this nation should have no divorces? Do you know this nation should have no children out of wedlock? Why? Because this is God's principles. Now, we might find ourselves in those positions right now, but 
there's grace and mercy. Amen. God said, hey, man, uh, you, you messed up. From, but when we start in this thing, this is what we're teaching our children and our children's children. We're not doing this anymore. Amen. See, that's where hope comes in. You might be a child that was born out of wedlock. Does that make you terrible? No. No. But it makes you responsible. That I look at my son and my daughter and said, it stops here because this is against what God would have us to do. Amen. Amen. You might be on your 10th husband. God forbid. <laughs> but you know what? It just stops here. Now I teach my daughter. I teach my son. This is the way of the Lord. See, that's why you can't get blue and depressed and you, you, well, I just, I messed up. I'm just so, yeah, all of us are. But God says from this point on, we're moving forward. And it's our responsibility as people to teach our people that comes behind us. This is the way of the Lord. Walk therein. Amen. Amen. So we're all here for that reason. But if you don't look after each other, we're going to have another generation, another generation. There should be no drug addicts in the nation. Amen. They might come in from outside looking for, looking for some help and thank God for them. We'll take them in and help them, right? Because we have the oracles of God. Amen. What else we have pro problems with that the world can't seem to solve? The ordinances solve them. The spirit of God solves them. And this is what this nation is all about. But you have to be a willing participant in it. So if you are the head of the wife, the wife must be subject to her husband in what? Everything. That's how the community is healed. That's how it's kept together. That's how it used to work. Didn't say you would agree on everything. We didn't say you women had to be, y'all familiar with Stafford wives? <laughs> you know, those are just, okay, whatever you say. That's not what he's talking about. But you have to be willing to be this is rock stuff. Now, let's keep going. See, all, of, all the husbands said, yeah, everything. And let's, let's go to the next verse. <laughs> husbands, love your wives, even as what? Christ also loved the church and gave, gave himself for you. You must learn to give yourself for your wife. That means all that selfishness that you have in it, that I want to do what I want to do and she need to get on board with me. That's not how Christ. Man, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Husbands, you better learn this if we're going to be a nation. Now, we're not. We're just going to be a bunch of folks just hanging out and going to Piccadilly or whatever. That's fine. But we're trying to be a nation that God can say, this is my people. Amen. Amen. Love your wives as Christ gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Don't you want your wife to be in the kingdom? Where are you? Are you, are you helping her? Or are you giving her everything that she asked for? An unsanctified heart will ask for many things. Are you helping her or are you hurting her? You're trying to keep the peace. I've heard people, I just want some peace in the house. She just run her mouth, oh, I just want some peace. Ahab, why don't you turn over and, eat, and, and don't eat? Because that's what you're looking like. I just want peace. Oh, Lord, if I, if, I, if I give her something, she'll shut her mouth. I'm just giving you what I have heard over the years, counseling. What do you think the response was? 
Have you lost your mind? I thought you loved your wife. I thought you were sanctified. I thought you wanted her in the kingdom. Why are you making her a spoiled brat? Amen? Amen. I know. Wives like, I wish he'd be quiet. <laughs> this is how you build a nation. Men have to be men. Men have to be men. And that's not a, that, and, and, and let's, let's keep reading because there's a sensitivity here that most people miss. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. So you're living by who? The word. He said that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Your whole process of being a husband is to make sure you give everything your wife needs to become holy. And a good example is a good place to start. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but did what? Nourished, Nourished and did what? Check. Oh, so now you just can't be just a hard, you know, taskmaster, chauvinist pig. That's the 70s. I know y'all don't know about that. You can't be that, can you? You have to nourish. You got to cherish. When you cherish something, what, do you, what does that mean to you? You throw it out in the backyard and tell it to cook you something to eat? Put it on a chain. You guard it. Do you know your job as a husband is to guard your wife from everything? Even your relatives who talk bad about your wife. You are their husband. You're your husband. Hey, that's my wife. Guard her. Why? Because you cherish and you love her. You want to nurture her, don't you? But what about what about in the church? What if somebody's talking about your wife? Well, yeah, you know, she about crazy. Mm -hmm. Don't ever listen to that. You are her protector. Amen. If she is crazy. You deal with that at home. You go stand on the word and say, Lord, how do I get this to happen? Do you understand that? Protect your wife. Nourish her. Cherish her. She is not your, your footstool. You understand that? She is your help meet. Help you meet the what? The goal. Verse 29, for no man ever hated his own but he nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. Did we got to get this man thing straight before we go to the woman thing. Amen? Because the foundation has to be in the home. The foundation has to be with the man, and the woman has to be in that foundation. And so the church can be in the have to stand on the foundation, so the nation can be built on the foundation. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, According to what? Knowledge. Whose knowledge? Godly knowledge. Not your ideas. Because you got some bad ideas. I do. I got some bad ideas. Over my 26 years of being married, I've had some bad ideas. But God said, dwell with him according to his knowledge. Giving honor unto the wife. Is that a good thing? Why? Because God said it was a good thing. Honor your wife. By being there and being the husband you're supposed to be. Amen? Amen? As unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. That your prayers be not hindered. You and I don't need our prayers hindered. 
straighten up, man. He said, finally, be all of one mind. Who? You and your wife. Having compassion one of another. Ho! Oh, compassion. What is that? I didn't say passion. Y'all got that down pretty good. <laughs> compassion. Caring. Oh, she had a bad day. Stop yelling at her. You want her to yell at you? You come at all, man, and boss didn't treat me. And she just told you to shut up and be quiet and do, fix some dinner. What, would you, what was your response? You ready to turn over some tables. So why, why would you even consider doing that to your wife? The one you love most. The one that's one with you. Wouldn't you want to have compassion? You walk in. And she is just looking like, man, I done had it. <laughs> Especially those with little ones. And that right, Sister Connie? When, when you, you got little ones, little ones can wear you out. <laughs> and by 530, you like, somebody come get these children. <laughs> and the husband walks in the door. And you, the house is a mess. It's just a mess. Everything's everywhere. The husband should probably stop and say, I wonder what happened today. Because this is not my wife. This is not normal. What has happened today? And your first question is, baby, what can I do? Not, huh, you've been sitting around all day ain't doing nothing, have you? <laughs> or let's talk, let's, 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 let's talk about the, the, the women who are working outside the house. Do you think she, she had all rose petals and peach cobbler all day long? Her day was just full of, ooh, this is wonderful. I love to be under somebody's thumb all, my, all day. <laughs> Y'all both work for the same Pharaoh. You upset for Pharaoh? You think she might be too? So what should you do? I don't know about you, but I'm going to kick my shoes off and, kick and chill till you, till you get the rest of this stuff done. Is that the right way to act? Why? Because that's not compassion. We ought to love one another. We ought to care for one another. We ought to encourage one another. Bring each other up. That's what a marriage is. And let me tell you something, those who aren't married, that's who you're looking for. You ain't looking for somebody who makes you feel good. They got drugs that make you feel good, and they're less expensive. <laughs> that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for somebody who is into this kind of love. Amen? Amen? All right, let's keep reading. But be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be what? Courteous. You mean it's okay to be courteous? Even to the one that's closest to you when you don't feel like it? Say thank you from time to time. Tell him, tell, tell, tell him I really appreciate you. I thank you for doing what you do. I know you want to do it. I know you think it's your job, but I thank you anyway. Thank you for, for, for putting up with me. I say that to my wife a lot. Thank you for putting. I, I thank her for having to live the life we have to live. Because this is not what normal people do. It's a difficult job. But she's right there. So I thank her all the time. Baby, thank you for hanging there with me. All these years, because I've taken you on a roller coaster. Sometimes you need to say that. You say, baby, I was a nut. Thank you for not leaving me. I know none of y'all have that. 
Now, he said, look, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarized blessing, knowing that ye are what? Therefore called that ye should inherit a blessing. Stop rendering evil for evil. What does that mean in your household? Yeah. Well, you did me wrong. I'm going to do you wrong. You cuss me out. Oh, here comes some cuss words. You ever experienced that? I said, that's not my kingdom. That's not the rock I'm asking you to stand on. That's not how we do things in his kingdom. Amen? His nation doesn't have that kind of activity. So we got to learn how to undo that. Amen? All right, we're going to finish up with the sisters. Amen. Sisters, you all right? Did we, did, we, did we tell the brothers what God said? Your life's about to get very wonderful. <laughs> because I will promise you this, sisters. As long as we are where we are, they'll hear this all the time. We're not letting up. Don't worry, I'm not scared of anybody in here. We're going to do what God asks us to do. And that one thing he said, hey, man, you got to teach these ordinances. More importantly, you got to live these ordinances. So, sisters, you all right? Now, let's see what God said about you all. Proverbs chapter 31. See, we didn't go Proverbs 7, Brother Harold. We went Proverbs 31. Because Proverbs 7 is so away from what we are. You know what Proverbs 7 is. It's, it's when you, well, another day. See, Proverbs 7 is the loose woman. We don't have this in the nation, do we? See, and also, if, this, if we have no Proverbs 7 women in the nation, then the Proverbs 31 women don't have to worry, do they? Because Proverbs 7 women will steal your man. <laughs> they will make it a point to do so. But if your man is standing on the rock, he won't go anywhere. That what she's using is not effective on him. That's why men have to be on that rock. See, then the women can settle down. Women, we got to, let's keep going. Let's go Proverbs 31, verse 10. Lord said, who can find a, a what? Virtuous woman. For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he have no need of what? Here's the key. She will do him good and not evil. All the days of what? Her life. That's her job, to do good. And he can trust her. You ever been with a woman who just says some hateful things to you? Well, that kind of kills trust. He can't trust you with his heart. Why? Because you tear him down every five seconds. You know, because your wife, or they know you better than anybody else. They know what button to push. Don't they? Why are we pushing buttons? God says do good. Now let's go to Proverbs 14 because here's a very important point. We're going to try to get through this very quickly. Proverbs 14 verse 1. It says every wise woman buildeth her house. Amen? But the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Build him. Encourage him. Don't tear him down. There are generations two or three now that all they heard all their life is men are no good. Just because that guy was no good to you, you have raised your children with the concept that men are terrible. Have you heard people speak like that? Well, you know your dad ain't no count. 
Your daddy is this. He ain't no good. No men are good. I don't know why. They hear you on the phone talking to your no good girlfriends. Y'all having a no good party. Everybody's no good but me. I don't know why he did that to me. You on your 10th one. And then the children see you running men in and out of the house like you are a bus station. What do you think they see? They have no respect for women any longer, and they don't respect men at all. That's why women, wise women, build their house. They take care of it. They make sure that none of that foolishness comes in. That, that this man that I'm married to would even not even need spoil. And men who stand on a rock, they don't worry about that. Isn't it wonderful that you don't have to worry about your wife cheating on you? Don't you worry? Isn't it wonderful that you as a, a wife don't ever have to worry about your husband cheating on you? That's nation stuff there. We understand that? In God's nation, that doesn't happen. Ask the other ladies out here in this other nation. They checking phones. You know, who is this? Who calling you? In this nation, that doesn't exist. Why? Because the men are standing on the rock and the women are building the house. They're keeping it together. Amen? I don't even go in my wife's purse unless she asks me to. Not because I just don't. Ain't nothing in there for me. I don't have to worry about um, who is this. I'm not looking for nothing. I don't, I, it doesn't even cross my mind. Not because my wife, you know, she's a nice looking person. She's very nice. <laughs> it could happen if somebody slipped up on her, but I'm not worried about her responding. That happened the other day to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed instead of, oh, what did you do? <laughs> What's his name? I go find him. <laughs> In this nation, that doesn't exist. Amen? Yeah. Husbands, if you don't like people flirting with your wife, don't you flirt with somebody else's wife. Give her the same respect. Give her the honor. See, that when women walk up to you men and they know you're married and they're hitting on you, they're disrespecting your wife. Guard her. But no, most Ahab men, oh, she's paying attention to me. Mm. <laughs> Going to the depths of hell with her. Same thing, sisters. They know you're married. But they, you know, slide. See, men handle it differently. Unfortunately, it's bad for the other man. But if somebody is pestering my wife because they walked up on her and said, eh, you better back up on me. And they keep trying to hit on you and they know she's married. That's going to be a problem, isn't it, brothers? We're going to have to ask about him. Not her. Excuse me, baby. You stand back here. What's your problem? Mm. But, you know, in this nation, she doesn't give off that vibe that she's looking. He doesn't give off that vibe that he's looking for spoiled either. Amen? You see, when this thing works, it's beautiful, and the rest of the world is going to ask you, please come and give a seminar how to be married. It seems like y'all got it together. Go to 1 Peter. Almost done. We started late, didn't we? Amen. <laughs> Trying to find a reason. <laughs> Likewise, 1 Peter 3, starting at verse 1. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. See, we've got to lay this foundation, and 
this is going to take a little while. He said, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husband, that if any obey not the word, they also may without, with the word, I'm sorry, be won by the conversation of the wives. See, wives, it's never a time for you to get out of the place God asked you to be in. If you had married Nabal, a nut, be Abigail. Be the one, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the rock, my husband, I don't know where he is. He's on sand, but I'm going to stand on this rock. And you know what influence you have? You might have a hard-headed, stubborn man, but you keep standing on that rock. And watch what the Holy Spirit does to him. He pull, it pulls him. But if you go crazy, then everybody in the house is crazy. And nobody's saved. Amen? Amen? He said, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of a heart, in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a what? Meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of what? Great price. Meek and quiet doesn't mean you are being walked over. Loud and boisterous is not the position you should take as ladies of this nation. Amen. Not even with other ladies. Because y'all don't get along at all. <laughs> but God said, I need a meek and what? Quiet, Quiet spirit. You can disagree without yelling. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the first one to talk in the room. Well, I'm going to tell you what I, nobody cares. Somebody told you your opinion was important. You need to go find them and slap them. <laughs> We're nation people. Amen? Amen. Are we all right? Amen. Oh, if we would just follow these principles. Verse 5 says, For after this manner in the old time, and God termed these people he's about to describe as what? Holy women. He said, at all time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. See, the problem is you don't trust God and his process, his ordinance, or his statutes. You think you're going to be used. The God of the heavens says, I take care of you if you trust me. He says, sisters, trust me. I know what you think you see. I know you see your husband, but watch me. Because I love him, too. I'm trying to save him, too. He said, I need you to have a meek and quiet spirit, because if you don't, I can't help you. I don't help loud and boisterous. I help meek and quiet. Amen? Amen. I know you're biting your lip right now. It's okay. But we're going to be a nation. And this is what we're going to go by. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now, we, we, we ain't, that, ain't, that ain't in the rule book. That's not going to be in the doctrine. <laughs> yes, all men must be, must be termed as Lord. <laughs> it's in the book, man. <laughs> we'll be moved. But she called him that out of respect. She called him because she understood the order of things. And that's what we have to understand. We need the order of things. Amen? Amen. And, and he said... 
uh, uh, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do what? Well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Don't let the rest of the world tell you how to be married. Don't let the world tell you how to be a wife. Don't let the world tell you how to be a single lady. Don't let that happen. Because the world doesn't love you. We are a nation of a God that loves us tremendously. He has given us these ordinances. Amen? Amen. Now, we're gonna, let's go to Job and we'll finish. Some have a problem with God's order. Did we just read God's order? Did we just read the rock? The foundation that this nation will be built on because we can't even discuss church until we discuss home. Amen? Job chapter 4. Oh, this was funny to me when he showed this to me. Job 4 verse 12. We're going to start at verse 12. Job chapter 4, start at verse 12. He says, Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine ear received a little thereof. He said, In thoughts from the visit, me sorry, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my what? Bones to shake. He was this was presented to him when he was in this condition. He said, Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. He said, It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eye. There was a silence, and I, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? So if we have a problem with the ordinances of God, ask yourself that question. Because God will visit you in the night, just like he visited Job, when Job was trying to justify what he was. And we try to justify what we want to be and how we want to live, even though it's going against the, uh, the oracles of God. Ask yourself, shall man be more just than God? Your way is better than God's way. You know more than the creator. Oh, it's, gonna, it's not going to happen overnight, brothers and sisters. We have been trained the exact opposite. We've been trained to be loud and boisterous. We've been trained to be mama's boys. We've been trained not to have compassion on our, with each other. We have been trained to be proud and strong and independent. All these things have happened because the world has come in and got us away from the nation that God asked us to be in. No more. We got to help each other too. We got to support. Stop entertaining the foolishness. The television shows cannot tell you how to live in this nation. Stop looking. Stop, stop admiring them. Ooh, I wish I... Well, that's that show that it talks about adultery in the White House. Scandal. Oh, everybody know that one, know that. <laughs> Don't let that be your training tool. Do you know the devil is trying to teach you how to be outside of this nation? It becomes exciting to be a prostitute. Amen? Okay, I was going to use a word in the scripture, but y'all get offended. You know, it, it teaches you that. It teaches you that, that men ought to go around and sleep with everybody. Don't be true to your marriage vows. That's nothing. Your lust is your, is your God. Now, who, what kingdom is that? What about the ones that, that the shows that, that you steal and you get away with it? What about the ones who have these, these questionable people that are training your children so you'll be okay when they train your children in the schools? 
Now look at it. Oh, how about the cross-dressers? How about all these people that the world is teaching you that this nation will not have? Amen? Amen. Stop admiring them. You're going to run into them from time to time, aren't you? But stop admiring. Stop trying to be like them. God has another way. And I know the world is going to turn its back on you. But he already told you that. Your family might turn their back on you. But he already told you that. But he said, we are one nation. And we're going to stand on the rock, Christ Jesus. And what he tells us to do, by his mercy and his power, we will do it. End in Titus chapter 1. We'll close. God shared this with you. He said, close with this. Titus chapter 1. In verse 5, the Lord says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest do what? Set in order the things that are wanting. This is what we're doing today. We're beginning to set in order the things that are wanting. He said, and ordain elders in every city as I have appointed thee. He said, now we're going to start, next week we're going to start talking about the order of the church. But you can't have an orderly church if you don't have an orderly house. And we have to be willing participants. Willing. Happy to do so. Will you be tempted not to? Yes. But now you have the, he said, no, Lord, I'm going to stand on the, what, what are we saying? On, on, on Christ the rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We're going to stand on this rock. Amen? And we started at home. Any questions, brothers, what the rock says for you to do? Sisters, any question about what the rock told you to do? Now, ask him for his Holy Spirit so we both can meet up with what he asked us to do. Have a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, in the name of Jesus, we're bowing before you, thanking you for your statutes, for your ordinances. Father, the great words of God you've given us to show us how to live as one. Lord, thank you so much for the direction. Thank you for your manual, Lord. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would help us to understand it. It would live in us. It would move us into a place where we can walk in the, in, in the, the sight of the world and they will ask us this question, who is thy God? Lord, help us to be that people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray.